0: Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. John Hood is our guest. And right at the end of the last segment, I said, John, uh, the Colorado Supreme Court has removed Trump from the ballot, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that, uh, because that is is perhaps coming up in a couple of other states. Uh, You already let people know that you don't think that's going to happen, and quite frankly, I don't either, but I'm still interested in your thoughts. Well... That It's not an absurd claim because under the 14th Amendment,
0: one of the provisions of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution uh, does suggest that federal officers cannot serve in federal office, former federal officers cannot be elected to or serve in federal office, um, if they have engaged in insurrection against the country. There are multiple problems, though, with the argument that Donald Trump fits this definition and that the Supreme Court or election board or some other entity like that can keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Uh, There are many problems with it. One of them is, uh, did he really engage in an insurrection? You can make an argument that he did, but it's never been established in a court of law that the actions that he took up to and including on January 6th constitute engaging in an insurrection. One might argue that they were irresponsible. I certainly would argue that they were irresponsible and helped contribute to a dangerous riot. But whether it was a serious effort to overthrow the government, I think is is debatable, at least legally debatable. And even if you accepted that, you still got some other problems with the application of this in, in this scenario. There's even an argument that it doesn't apply to the president of the United States. It applies to other kinds of offices, but not the president. The argument for that is in part because the original version of the 14th Amendment did include the president, as it did list the president as one of the officers that was disallowed, and then that didn't make it to the final version, suggesting maybe somebody decided to take it out for some reason. I mean, anyway, the point is I just don't think that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to stand for this, and honestly, we cannot have a system where judges, or in the case of North Carolina, this went before the North Carolina Elections Board, and properly a bipartisan majority decided not to exclude Trump because we cannot regain and restore public confidence in the electoral process if we end up with a candidate not being allowed to run on the basis of some decision by, in this case, democratic justices on the Colorado Supreme Court. It's just an, I understand the argument for it. And as I've made it very clear many times over many years, I don't think Donald Trump possesses uh, the character or judgment or, or relevant skills to be president of the United States effectively. So I don't think you should be nominated. I just don't think this is the right way to accomplish that. Put it to the voters, trust the voters here.
1: Well, uh, you know, I think uh, a large number of people would, uh, would certainly agree with everything you said there. Uh, this is just an issue that uh, is larger than life. And, uh, uh, there would be an awful lot of very, very dissatisfied citizens if he's left off the ballot. Uh, uh, so let's just uh, leave that as it is and move to another topic. Uh, the uh, let's, let's talk, generally speaking, about the biggest issues that could impact the elections and how they could change between now and election time. Uh, inflation, of course, is seemingly under control. We did not have the recession. So the economy is in, is in pretty good shape uh, for the shape it's in. Uh, but what other issues do you think will be important and uh, how, if any of those change, could it affect what happens almost a year away from now?
0: I've looked at some polling on, on these issues, asking voters what's the most important thing or list the top five things that you will think about in the 2024 cycle. That's sort of survey research. And the economy always is number one. And when people say the economy today, they, as you allude to, Don, they they really are talking about inflation. Inflation has, the inflation rate has declined. It's still higher than zero or 2%, which is the Federal Reserve's sort of upper bound. Uh, When inflation falls, for example, from 9% to 4% or 3%, that is disinflation. But it's not the same thing as deflation. Deflation will be prices actually falling. Disinflation just means that prices are going up slower. And the fact that people have had such a large increase in in prices that they pay since 2019 for all sorts of things, from fuel to food to housing to all sorts of stuff, uh, the fact that it isn't going up much now isn't... One could argue that's relevant and the voters ought to care about that. The truth is they don't appear to care very much. They're still upset that it went up so much in the past and they like it or not, for good or for ill, they blame Biden. So Biden has a real hard time, even though, as you just alluded to, Biden could say, look, the inflation rate was a problem, but it has come down. We didn't have a recession. Lots of economists were predicting we'd have a recession in 2023 because we were fighting inflation and raising the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates. But even though the interest rates went up, it didn't cause a recession. So you should give me credit. I'm actually managing the economy pretty well. That's the argument Democrats want to make. They've been making it now for months. The public just didn't buy in it. They just aren't buying it. So I believe that if the election remains on the economy, setting aside the personalities for a second, the Republicans will have an edge. But there are some other things that Democrats care about. One of them is health care. This is one area where the Democrats do still have an edge. It's not quite as large as it used to be, but it's still a market edge. And if they can talk about health care a lot, uh, that' would be good for Democrats. On the other hand, another issue voters care about still, even though this problem has been improving somewhat lately, is crime. We had a significant increase in the crime rate, actually not just during the pandemic, but before, back starting around 2016 or 17, crime started to go up. It went up a lot. It's come down a little bit in some, depending on how you measure it, but it is still something that people are worried tremendously about. And that's an issue that tends to help Republicans. So if, Repu- if voters who are swing or kind of soft softards and softies, if they go into the polling place and they're really worried about violent crime and think that we're not being tough enough That'll give the Republicans an edge. If they're thinking about health care and how much it costs and and whether they might lose it tomorrow, lose their coverage tomorrow, they might vote Democratic. And then I'm weird. I don't mind admitting when I think about a president, my number one issue isn't the economy. It's not health care. It's not crime, which the president doesn't have a lot to do with. It's foreign policy. We have a world of woe. We have wars in Ukraine and in Gaza. We've got of significant military operations happening in other parts of the world, sometimes involving U.S. troops in the Middle East and Africa. We have the threat to Taiwan. We have various uh, confrontations between our allies on the seas and China's Navy. So if, if you're worried about foreign policy, and I am, then you really want to see which of these candidates is going to be uh, the most credible commander-in-chief and chief diplomat of for, for the United States, the interesting thing about that is there's a partisan divide. If you care a lot about Ukraine and Russia's a- attempt to subdue and absorb Ukraine and threaten the, the European order, uh, Democrats tend to care about that more than Republicans. And they give Biden pretty good marks on it, and the Republicans don't. Though so it depends. I mean, I'm, I'm right of center, and I'm very much in favor of supporting Ukraine. On the other hand, if you look at Israel and, and Gaza, the Republicans tend to be more supportive of Biden's support, uh, role in, in, in that conflict. The Democrats are divided about it at, at best. So foreign policy isn't one thing. It's multiple things. And for Joe Biden as the incumbent president, uh, Ukraine makes Democrats feel good about him. And Israel makes some Democrats, many Democrats, uneasy about him. So that there's a lot of different issues that could matter at the federal level, at the state level, economy again, crime again, and education. And education is a topic in North Carolina where the two parties are actually quite competitive now. used to be the Democrats had a pretty significant edge on education. It's not so much true anymore. And you can tell because, for example, the last two uh, statewide elections for the state superintendent of public instruction, yet another of those council of state offices, Republicans actually won that that, uh, race. And I would think they probably will be favored to be... uh, Re elect the Kath- Catherine Truett, who's the Republican superintendent in 2024. So that's more of a debatable issue. Crime still helps the Republicans, healthcare the Democrats.
1: And all that to the discussion, you failed to mention abortion. I
0: did because the truth is that lots, the, most of the people who vote on abortion, it's their number one topic, they're already partisan voters. So voters who are swing voters. They don't like extremes on abortion, but North Carolina's policy, being a uh, that permitting abortion for almost every purpose up to I think twelve weeks, and then limitations after that, uh, that's sort of an that that's kind of a middle of the road position on abortion that doesn't it, it makes it harder for. Uh, Republicans to run or Democrats to run who are very pro-life or very uh, pro-choice. I know this is kind of not conventional wisdom, but I would submit that in North Carolina, I don't think it's going to be as big an issue as it is in some states where the legislature did like six weeks limits or other kinds of, or even forbade abortions altogether, which North Carolina didn't do and isn't going to do.
1: One of the issues that's sort of interesting to me is the federal deficit and the national debt. It doesn't seem that either party is all that concerned about it. And uh, that's uh, a a great concern to me because I'm, I'm worried about it. You should be. Most of the voters who care about it, they care about it in the
0: context of the economy and inflation. So when people say, well, I don't see the federal budget even on this list. Actually, if you look at how people process inflation, a lot of it they blame on running all these federal deficits. And by the way, there's a good argument for that, that that, yes, that is yes. a major cause of inflation. So it is still in the mix. It's in the mix through the standpoint of inflation. Or alternatively, you might say the federal budget is an issue because I mentioned healthcare. One of the ways people process the issue of healthcare is is Medicare safe? Was somebody going to mess with my Medicare? Uh, and so, yes, the federal budget is fundamentally an area where Congress and the White House, both parties, have failed miserably. We're running gigantic deficits. Uh, It's hard to turn that by itself into an issue, but you attach it to something that seems to affect people's everyday lives, like inflation, or the potential for a tax increase, or on the other side, potential for cuts in Medicare or something. That becomes a potent political issue, and we're going to hear about it in 2024,
1: of course uh, neither party wants to address the issue of Social security either because so many people uh, are again both Democrats and Republicans uh, are, are concerned about any changes to that one that way or they the other.
0: are and the thing about it is Don, uh, we in, in our lifetimes we have seen that when serious politicians treat social Security seriously and come up with a solution that nobody loves but everybody can live with I'm thinking of the 1983 reform package that saved it for a long time. That was Ronald Reagan, a Republican, a bunch of Republican congressional leaders, a bunch of Democratic congressional leaders. They made a deal. They changed the benefit structure and the tax structure, and people got over it. And that's what I think would happen if they did something like that. Now, people would be worried and upset about it at first. It's got to be done. I mean, there's no alternative. Just if we don't do something in just a few years, social security checks will be automatically cut, which no one's going to stand for that. So we have to do something about it. And I would think that these politicians should do something about it in 2025 and not be terrified that it would be the end of their careers. It wasn't the end of the Democrats in Congress in 1983. It wasn't the end of Ronald Reagan. He was reelected the following year with 49 states. (laughs) So the notion that you can't touch social security or it'll zap you, I think is another one of these myths that persists and is, it is belied by the, by the available empirical data.
1: You know, one of the th- interesting things about inflation is that uh, as people drive around town, they see signs all over town about the price of gas. And when the price of gas comes down, I assume that there's a lot less concern about inflation than when the price of gas goes up. Uh, So, you know, trying to predict what the price of gas will be by election time is almost impossible, but that could be a big factor.
0: Oh, it absolutely could. I mean, there are two things, at least, that sort of act as surrogates for inflation in people's minds. You mentioned one of them when it's posted and you see it all the time and people keep track of how much gas costs because, of course, they have to do it. They have to pump it and pay for it. The other thing would be the price of eggs and milk, something else that almost everybody, although every household buys. That's one of the things, because those prices went up, that's one of the things that really turned people off about the economy. Um, So you're right. We can't predict those particular prices. They're much more visible than other prices that people pay. Not everybody's in the housing market all the time. Not everybody's out buying other kinds of goods and services. But they buy something like dairy products and they buy motor fuel. And so those those things they see. And even though those have have changed in, in recent months, the trajectory has changed. Biden didn't get any credit for because it went up so much earlier and people still remember that and they blame him.
1: Exactly. Our guest is John Hood and uh, we have one final segment. We want to talk just a brief amount of time when we come back about John's latest uh, writings, whether they be some of the more serious writings he's done or some of the uh, the fiction that he's writing. Uh, We'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything. Helping a friend move.
0: Listening to a fellow veteran
1: for hours, at any hour of the day.
0: Or just simply making time for people. A neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger.
1: We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When was the last time you reached out for help?
0: Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances,
1: employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach.
0: Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? (gasps) Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis.
1: Well, we're back with the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers. John Hood is our guest. And, John, we have failed to talk about your latest writings. You have authored nine books thus far. One, uh, the most recent one, is a a fantasy novel entitled Forest Folk. uh, And that is a sequel to uh, Mountain Folk. So are you going to have another one called Coastal Folk or... Very close. ...or the Carolina third, Folk or uh, State Folk <laughs> or what's next? Uh,
0: it, it is called Water Folk. Water that Folk. Third, okay. That is the third. I, I was originally going to call it, you know, River Folk or something, but then I, some of the story actually happens on the ocean, so I had to be a little more generic in my reference. So all of these are set in American history. My, mountain Folk occurred primarily during the Revolutionary War period. Forest folk occurs primarily during the early 1800s, the War of 1812, westward expansion, the Trail of Tears, those kinds of events. Water folk occurs primarily in the 1830s and 1840s, includes the Alamo and Mexican War and adventures on the high seas and other exciting moments in American history featuring presidents and famous people like Davy Crockett and Sam Houston, but also Uh, various fantasy and uh, folklore characters. Uh, One of the main characters of Water Folk uh, is a monster that captains a a ship that that goes across the high seas and does various exciting things. So what I like to do is mix two things I love, which is American history and speculative fiction, and so Waterfolk will be the third novel in my Folklore Cycle series. People can read all about my series at FolkloreCycle.com. And I don't just write novels, I also write shorter stories in this in the cycle. So there are also other stories that people could read that are set mostly in North Carolina. I depict the burning of the North Carolina capital, for example, in 1831. we we'll a little story about that. I've got another story coming out that will involve a certain famous giant lumberjack in the North Carolina west of america uh so I, I enjoy these stories and you know they seem often more real and less crazy than politics uh, so it, it's, it's a nice refuge
1: although this year may be an exception to that uh,
0: we'll see it's pretty wild you're right it's pretty wild and wacky out there
1: uh you know uh most of the economists last year this time we're talking about a recession and inflation so obviously uh, the economists can be wrong But uh, most of the economists that I'm reading now are saying that uh, as the year advances this year, it's likely that interest rates will drop, Uh, not a great deal, but will drop. Um, And if nothing else happens uh, that uh, causes a change in the economy uh, by next uh, uh, October or November when people are making their final choices, uh, the economy may be more stable than it is now. How does that affect uh, the uh, presidential race? Uh, And, of course, you've already said that uh, it's highly likely that the the two leading candidates right now, uh, the incumbent president and the former president, one of of those two, or maybe even both, might not be on the ballot. Yeah, so
0: let's imagine for a moment that they are. And that the economy, I I think the economists, I mean, they they were right that all most of the traditional measures a year ago suggested there was a risk of recession it didn't happen and thank goodness for everybody concerned uh, but imagine that the economy continues to perk along pretty well uh then does biden get a boost of support people say you know actually that joe biden he's not he's not as bad as i thought i'm gonna vote him for re-election maybe the problem is that whether it is donald trump or joe biden people's perceptions of these these men are kind of baked already. That cake is baked and it's out of the oven. It's not going back in the oven. And I'm just not sure that it matters a whole lot. Again, I'm not saying whether it should matter. I mean, there are lots of things, not just the economy, but events overseas or other kinds of events that that could, in theory, change people's perceptions of Trump and Biden. I just think that they are so hard. People have such strong feelings, and it is largely negative. They'll tolerate Biden because they hate Trump. They'll tolerate Trump because they're gonna hate Biden. Now, obviously there's some you know, third or so, or 30% or so of the two electorates who love Trump and love Biden, but most everybody else is kind of living with them, maybe because they detest the other person. And it is very hard to change those kinds of perceptions once they get baked. That's why I think, and I've said this earlier, but maybe this is a better explanation for it. Imagine that the Democratic Party, uh, thanks to Biden sort of coming to his senses or whatever, He ends up with a different candidate by the summer of 2024. That candidate can say, "No, I'm not Joe Biden, and I wasn't responsible for the decisions that were made that may have fueled inflation three or four years ago." But things are going pretty well, and I can make them do even better. Now, that kind of Democratic candidate could benefit from the fact that the economy wouldn't be in such a mess because that candidate still has room for people to form an opinion about that person, like a governor of. You know, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, or some other kind of governor running as a Democrat, saying, I'll, "I I will carry out some of Biden's policies, but some of them I won't." I wasn't around to create the problem that you don't that that made you so angry two years ago. Now that kind of Democrat could benefit. Similarly, imagine that contrary to expectations, we end up with a recession in 2024. I mean, after all. The economists thought there'd be one in 23 and they were wrong. Now they don't think there'll be one. So a contrarian would say, aha, there'll be a recession. So imagine for the sake of argument, there'll be a recession in 2024. This ought to benefit Donald Trump, right? Except that almost no one has failed to form an opinion about him. So there's not much room there. But if, for example, Nikki Haley or some other Republican were the nominee, then that would give that Republican a chance to really go after Biden and or whoever the Democrat is and benefit and maybe not just win a speaker, but win comfortably in 2024. So you can imagine scenarios where something like, is there going to be a recession or not? Is there going to be a healthy economy or not? Is determinative of which party not only wins, but wins convincingly. The problem is this scenario assumes people other than Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I don't see Donald Trump winning in a landslide. I don't see Joe Biden winning in a landslide. There's just too many fixed opinions about these two fellows.
1: John, uh, I want to get your opinion on, uh, because age is a factor with both candidates. It, it seems to be a bigger factor with Biden, but uh, Trump is, of course, no spring chicken either. So the public is going to be very, very interested in the vice presidential uh, running mate of these two. Do you see Biden changing? Uh, And who uh, uh, do you think Trump will turn to? You mean, Uh, assuming those two are the nominees? Yeah. Uh,
0: I don't think Biden can change the vice president. If if he runs, if he goes all the way through and Kamala Harris is somehow dumped off the ticket, I mean, I don't think she's been a very effective member of the administration. I don't think she should have been selected in the first place, but she was elected. And I I think that might do a tremendous amount of damage. Now, if Biden steps down and she runs, but other people run and she doesn't get the nominee, that that nomination, I think that might work out okay, but not if he stays on the ballot and she leaves. I don't think that will fly with Democratic base. I don't think that'll happen, even though it might help him a little bit. As for Donald Trump, Trump actually gave an interview recently where he said, And this is a kind of uncharacteristic of me to say, but this was kind of an astute point because Donald Trump said, I've looked over the history and I just can't see that much evidence VP matters. And he's right. It almost never matters. The thing is, though, he's wrong about 2024 because these are two candidates, both Biden and Trump, who are elderly and not, I mean, look, let's say they're not just, they're not even, you're right. They're not spring chickens. I mean, I'm not even sure they are chickens. I mean, there's like some other kind of fowls. And <laughs> I didn't say anything. I just was making an analogy. Uh, and and yeah. I think that they, uh, I mean, they're not even, I mean, if they're chickens, they're not even fall chickens. They're like early winter chickens. And so the voters really care, I think, about what happens if either of these presidents, if they are elected can't make it all the way through. And I think there's more going to be a focus on vice president than ever before. I think all the arguments that the previous uh, elections tell us something are wrong because we have never had, literally never had, two geriatric uh, candidates with difficulty expressing themselves in complete sentences. Both of them I'm talking about. We've never had them something like that on the ballot for president before. So I think the vice presidential nominations matter a lot. And I'll have to tell you, it's one of the Republicans challenges with Trump if he is nominee is somebody who runs with him on the ticket. That's there. That that will define their careers. And I'm not sure how many Republicans really want to be defined by being vice president to Donald Trump's presidential nominee. I'm just not sure. So I'm not sure who will say yes to this that can actually help Trump. But we'll see. Is Pence dead? Uh, No. Uh, he's very much alive and healthy and living in Indiana. Uh, Pence will be a senior statesman in the Republican party. He could be proud of a lot of things he accomplished in his political career, but absolutely becoming vice president, although it was in some ways, I mean, if you read the histories of the Trump administration, the fact that Pence was vice president was very helpful to the country. Uh, If he hadn't been there, there'd been a lot of things happened that might've gone really, really sideways. But it is true that the people who love Trump got angry at Pence because he wouldn't go along with the silly January 6th scheme. And the people who don't like Trump haven't really been able to get around Pence either because they don't like Trump and they think that he enabled Trump and, and was too close to him. So Pence ended up without a political constituency. I think that history will look more kindly on him, particularly his role on January 6th, which was noble and correct. But you're right that it did affect negatively his media political prospects. And that's what I'm saying is that what about other Republicans? Would they want to get into a position where uh, their political career is determined determined by what Donald Trump tweets at three o'clock in the morning? I I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be in that situation.
1: Well, it's it's interesting, uh, as you said, uh, someone is going to have to look at it and say, does this do me in as a future candidate uh, or does it set me up because in all likelihood, or not in all likelihood, but, but it's there's possible. a great possibility that neither one of these, if elected, would complete their term because of age.
0: That's a fair point. You know, They could say oh, this isn't so much like Do- uh, Mike Pence. This is maybe someone who becomes president, Calvin Coolidge becoming no. president one year into the term of the elected president. Maybe no. that's the scenario. There are lots of Republicans out there who'd like to be president, so it might happen, but Kind of sad that this is the situation we're talking about. Who might be the vice presidential candidates because the presidential candidates are, are so uh, unworthy? Yeah, at least in my view.
1: Well, you know, like you said many times during this program, this is a unique election, not only federally but also in the state of North Carolina. John, thank you so much for taking time and and uh, giving us your thoughts on the upcoming primary, which is coming sooner rather than later. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong and Christine Bellino, who has been assisting today. Uh, We will be back next week with another interesting guest. In the meantime, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com. So until next week, have a good week, everybody.